Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is you. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. our last week's episode. Um, too good for this which, world. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, because we we tried it on a couple of different things. We tried it on on uh, Telegram. We tried it on Discord. Um, and yeah, the CIA managed to get that blocking signal in. Good and it was, tight. It was just our sweet hot takes on Jeremy Corbyn were just too powerful. I actually had to switch microphones because um, it melted. Yeah, the f- uh, yeah, I went for a couple. The first couple burnt out. <laughs> yeah. From my sweet hot labour takes. <laughs> but yeah, we'll probably we'll come back to that subject. We'll yeah. come back. Yeah, it was going to be on Corbyn's legacy. We'll, co- we'll come back to it. The legacy will still be there mm-hmm. by next week, right? Or it will <laughs> be there as much as it is now. Um, uh, yeah. So, Hugh, how are you? How are you dealing with? Uh, Lockdown. Uh, or, I'm like, or really, I'm not dealing with it now. Weird I'm not dealing lockdown with it well. into lockdown interregnum. Yeah, I'm not dealing with it very well at all now. <laughs> so I really can't. I can't think. Um, yeah. Um, I am just. I okay. I spent. I've been grinding on Final Fantasy 14, and finally got mm. a mount that took a lot of work. And as soon as I got it, I felt instantly empty inside. <laughs> um, I want a pint so fucking bad. Um, I want to just go outside, really. I want to do stuff. I want to see my friends. This is, I realise this is the longest me and you haven't seen each other um, since I was in Australia. Uh, yeah, probably, actually, because it was just after you came back from Australia. It couldn't have been more than a year when I moved to London. Yeah. But like even then, yeah. like I'd you know would pop up to see each other and stuff. Um, yeah, just uh, oh, it's weird. It's weird <laughs> not seeing people. How are you doing? It, it's it's fine. Um, I have forgotten the face of my father, um, mm-hmm. and I've forgotten what faces. There was a weird little um, thing on Twitter the other day about uh, oh, what's the thing that you didn't realise you missed from. Um, like being isolated from so many people, I feel yeah. it feels almost sarcastic at this point to call it lockdown because, yeah. like, no, like I'm not entirely sure what the rules are. You can technically go and visit somebody um, if there's less than six people yeah. in the house, but you still have to maintain distance, which really makes no sense to me. Um, every every like public free amenity seems to be uh, open and being used. Um, shops apparently are going to open on Monday, so I, I yeah I genuinely don't know where we are at this point to to call it lockdown. But I had a weird proper Proustian moment of like I went outside uh, my flat block and there yeah, was somebody, somebody hell yeah um, I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, there was somebody smoking a cigarette a common tobacco instrument and. I walked through the cigarette smoke and realised it's probably I, I like I don't smoke anymore. I, I vape. Um, I quit smoking about three or four years ago to continue inhaling nicotine in a vapor form. But anyway, and I didn't realise it's the first time I haven't like had. It's the first time I, I've I'd smelt like cigarette smoke in a couple of months. Yeah, that thing that happens to you every day, whether you notice it or not. Yeah, and it was just like, oh god, this is amazing. Yeah, so they went out and got a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> I did hear um, there was a there's like um, there's a link between um, better outcomes with coronavirus and nicotine intake, and um, hearing this doctor on the radio talk about it while desperately trying not to tell everyone to start smoking was pretty funny. <laughs> was that wasn't there a correlation between smoking and um, dementia, or was that just a like? Um, oh, there I is a link. Well, there's a link between. You tend to die before you develop dementia. Well, there's a, I think there's a link between um, if you smoke and then quit, that then you're more likely to get dementia. I think it's well, that. Shit. Yeah. Well, I think it's the nicotine, not the. I abandoned my goodness. I abandoned. I abandoned the beautiful tar walls in my brain that stopped the bad dementia from from getting me. Yeah, that is exactly how it works. <laughs> Um, anyway, I wanted to just, uh, there's stuff happening. We've got plans for things we'd like to talk about um, in the coming weeks. Um, but there's a couple of, um, 
being in the house all day and being in front of the computer or on my phone all fucking day mm-hmm. um, leads you to winkling out some really really weird stories. Yep. And I just want to I just want to talk about one here. Okay. Right. This was uh, I originally saw the article in um, uh, on the RTE website. Yeah. Um, Austria unveils design to turn Adolf Hitler House into a police station. Nice. So it's Best not so much the story. Oh my goodness! Wait until <laughs> you read the copy. I tell you, I read you the copy on this story. Austrian authorities have unveiled a design for turning the house where Adolf Hitler was born into a police station, while trying to make it unattractive as a pilgrimage site for people who glorify the Nazi dictator. <laughs> okay, what are you going to do to really like hmm. dissuade Nazis from going to this place? Is fill it full of heavily armed, uniformed men? It's just, it's just such a yes. Yes, that would make it very unattractive for people who glorify fascism. <laughs> you never find them in the uh, It continues, The relatively modest three-level building was rented by Austria's interior ministry since 1972 to prevent its misuse and was sublet to various charitable institutions. It stood empty after a care centre for adults with disabilities moved out in 2011. The uh, interior minister, Karl Niehammer, said, Some people might ask, is this the right use for this, putting the police in there? It is downright the most suitable use. Why? The police are guardians of basic liberties and freedoms. Police officers in training see see themselves as partners of citizens and as those who protect freedom, the right to assembly and the freedom of speech. A design by Austrian architects, Marta, beat 11 competitors in an interior ministry tender. The refurbishment is expected to be completed around the end of 2022 and will cost about 5 million euros, 4.5 million pounds. The winning design takes a simple, modernising approach, but doesn't tamper with the substance of the original building. <laughs> why? Why? Why would you phrase it like that? Why would you? <laughs> We'd like it to be sleek, but we wouldn't actually like the original substance of what happened to be kind of torn down. It really describes Operation Gladio very, very well. <laughs> well, you know, it's a listed building. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's weird. Um, I try not to be on the internet. I'm getting back on there now, as my as I I don't know what else to do to try and make my brain not bad. But I, you know, I read the good FT, and that told me about very, very British thing. So. Oh yeah. Police are trying to trace a person seen walking around the Norfolk village of Helsden dressed as a 17th century plague doctor, complete with black cloak, (laughs) hat, and beak-like mask. Villagers are reported to be variously terrified and amused by the individual, very, very, very British, who many have (laughs) spotted on their daily walk um, during the last two weeks. Helsden's modern-day plague doctor has sparked lively discussion on local social media. Scared the life out of my missus. Terrifying for the kids, wrote one. Just casually strolling around the village in a plate costume. Just not normal, is it? Do it indoors. <laughs> I don't mind what historically inaccurate figures you dress up as in your own home. But put it in front of my kids and I'll do time, I swear. <laughs> I admit he's weird, but what harm is he doing? Made me giggle. <laughs> if he can't wear it now, <laughs> when could he? <laughs> um, I mean... They did find him. The um, yep. he's a teenager, <laughs> and, yeah, the, yeah, and yeah. the police had a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's the traditional, you know, um, uh, maturity, adult maturity ritual um, among the British is to um, a, a, a young man uh, nearing nearing adulthood to don some kind of like fancy dress costume and to go about scaring people like there was the the clown thing and the um the grim reaper thing like yeah. it, it, that, for some reason that behavior does resurface every now and again there mm. is something there is something like weird about that kind of tab like desperation to bust taboos i guess i don't yeah. even know what that well I, you know like to s- scare people in that very specific freak way out the squares where they live yeah, the cosmic fool is here. Yeah, but you know, dressed. The thing is, it's been really warm recently, so it's just like he's like 
in a lot leather. It's like in a leather trench coat <laughs> and the mask. It's like, Jesus, that must be warm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this has been... The, the COVID really has been a disaster for the steampunk community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I imagine you can probably get quite a lot of plague masks on eBay for pretty cheap <laughs> at this point. Just a really sad plague mask manufacturer just like going, oh, the dream's dead, boys. <laughs> then just pulling his little <laughs> thing as the factory shuts down. There will be no steam fair this year. <laughs> it's like, I, 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 sold my ha- I have remortgaged my house to make all these cog-shaped buttons. <laughs> I don't know how anything works. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this week, um, obviously, the thing dominating the news is Black Lives Matter protests worldwide. Uh, They've been going on for about 10 days, mostly in response to uh, the latest um, high-profile murder of an African-American by uh, police. Um, George Floyd was... I think he was... was being arrested for like bouncing a check, which I was told. I think that, it was a fake twenty dollar note that wasn't actually. It was fake. supposed, yeah, something like that to buy groceries. Um, and as a result, I'm going to use the here's the official corporate thing. As a result of the of his interaction with the police, uh, <laughs> he was terminated. Uh, what's the fucking Cena phrase? Um, <laughs> the Cena Osama bin Laden phrase. Oh, um, they am terminated to a permanent end. Is it terminated that? to a permanent end? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the John Cena thing. Yeah, um, obviously this is a very, very similar to the Ferguson protests in 2016, was it? Um, as a result of uh, the murders of Michael Brown. Um, was it 2014, Ferguson? No, because it was a bomb. Oh, a bomb that was 2014. 2016 was. Yeah, it was Trump. Trump yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so it was. Yeah, so yeah, very similar to the um, Black Lives Matter protests in 2014 in Ferguson. Yeah, um, and it's kind of been in the background. Obviously, there have been more protests since, but this has been the kind of largest and most widespread. Yeah, and kind of most most watched, and definitely seems to be achieving a lot more in. I guess you would say like consciousness and yeah. breakthrough. Yeah. Um, all I am seeing is constant. Like basically the adoption of you know like privilege language language around privilege yeah. and um, anti racism adopted by you know like L'Oreal yeah or uh, the computer game company Bungie yeah Bungie like I I, I play Destiny quite a lot and um, oh, they they have like weekly they have, I'm, I'm a sick 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 man I'm a disgusting little piggy you are. Um, and like at the start of one of their like week- weekly like emails, it was like we'd like to maintain your focus on the events unfolding around the world. And it's like we'd like you to maintain your focus. Hmm. That's very strange, but it definitely seems to Does be achieving Zavala more even in terms. <laughs> Zavala kneels for no man. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Lance, Lance Reddick's probably right though. Um, but it's definitely it seems to be achieving more in terms of breakthrough and consciousness and definitely achieving more in terms of actual material concessions. I mean, the Minnesota, um, the, the Minnesota town where uh, George Floyd was killed has, um, has a proposal in front of its council to defund their police department. Yeah, they, which... sort of, they set it up so it can't be vetoed. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was reading about that and it's interesting because like straight away, like, Joe Biden is not in favour of that, which, you know, of course he isn't. Um, yeah, read the room. Yeah, well, you know, he, he's... Did he, he take a, did he take a knee like all those... Um, uh, I, I did see a, a video of a load of uh, Congress Democrats dressed in like, uh, you know... The, African the, like, scarves. Pa- African patterned scarves, yeah. which I thought was a grimace nice touch. Yeah, and then um, I saw Nancy Pelosi couldn't <laughs> stand up afterwards, and, you know... And, you know, you saw that fucking, that Nancy Pelosi face mask, the pink one with rhinestones on it saying, vote. <laughs> saying classy lassie. <laughs> it's just like, all of them are just so horrifying. But, um, yeah, the defunding the police force is, you know, it's a good thing. But mm, sure. in the context, is like, what does that mean? Like, in ideally, that's like that means you take all the money that goes to that police force, which would be... You know the like in some parts of America, it's the it's the GDP of a small country, um, 
and then yeah, just put... absurd disparities in what councils spend on police as opposed to things like you know housing yeah but you could take that money and you could put that and you could replace all the policemen with social workers mental health workers outreach workers and if you you know for like for in, for certain situations some security guards like yeah. you could replace yeah. all of it with that are they going to do that or are they going to you know just replace well, it I mean, all with securical yeah i was trying to um work out uh kind of if that has been done before and there was one place that kept coming up uh, camden new jersey who i think in 2013 chose to defund their police force yeah. and essentially what they did was they fired all the cops uh made them retake their job application mm-hmm. for much lower pay i might mm-hmm. add and tried to change the institutional culture that way by making them a yeah more I mean, from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like... I mean, I don't know how much the personnel changed, but from the sound of it, or from the sound of the pieces that I read, it sounds like, yeah, they did try and uh, scale back the the extent to which they performed ops, to the, the extent to which they kind of um, used physical violence to mm-hmm. break up things. Um, you know, I can't tell. Without actually being on the ground or, yeah. or talking to people or seeing people's actual kind of uh, experiences. Um, I can't tell how well it's done. The statistics seem to be that violent crime dropped, but then I've sort of seen some other sources saying that these less trained, less well-paid police officers did tend to focus on low-level crime a lot more. So is that is that a better situation? Does that then ramp up? Yeah. Um, Crime has been crime was falling over the same period anyway, um, in other like cities in New Jersey, and you know it's difficult to tell. Also, your point about the security core thing—it's that kind of like sets off warning bells because like there's a lot of there's a lot of like corporate and brand uh, kind of people who are putting out messages uh, supportive of, of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And one in particular um, from Raytheon. group G4S. Really? Right. G4S had, uh, so this is this was by uh, the John Kenning, uh, the regional CEO of G- G4S Americas. Okay. Um, entitled Response to Racial Inequality and Civil Unrest. This was to G4S employees in the States. Uh, he says, the, offense, the events that began to unfold last week in the United States with the tragic death of George Floyd and the resulting civil unrest that has transpired since then are unlike anything most of us have experienced in our lifetimes. Hmm. Activism and protest about racial injustice have even taken place throughout the Americas, Canada in particular, as other nations face similar challenges. At G4S, this situation impacts us both professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. Our role as security service providers puts us front and centre as protests, riots and vandalism have escalated. Some of our employees are on the front lines of the unrest as they protect our customers' properties and assets in their local communities. Love community. Like, mm-hmm. I love local communities language <laughs> when they, they do that as if that's somehow the answer to anything. Yeah. Uh, Others provide technology and intelligence solutions to inform customers of anticipated risks, while others assess and advise on actions to mitigate impact to client assets. Uh Uh Um, But on a personal level, many of us are shaken and devastated by this experience and facing many emotions. G4S is an organization that values diversity of all backgrounds, ethnicities and perspectives. And the African-American community is a valued part of our organization. Um, we stand together with our African-American employees, customer and customers and industry peers in what we hope will finally become a time of much-needed transformation against social injustice. The words written by Martin Luther King Jr. illustrate our solidarity. <laughs> Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Oh. Um, we all have an active role to play in this time of change by promoting dialogue about this topic, blah, 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 blah. I can't actually like, quote Martin Luther King. In the words yes, that's of right. the Reverend King, he's a working for Securicor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
it's just like the, you know the the company that runs um, quite a lot of the UK immigration service yeah. and a lot of private prisons has numerous private prisons all over America. What is a G four S customer? Like, what do they consider um, a customer? Do they consider like the people in an internment camp a customer? I mean, ultimately, well, no, it'll be a service oh, user. No, they're, sta- no, they're, they're stakeholders. <laughs> Because they're not service users, because they're not paying for it. They've been paid for by either the state, or uh, a corporate customer, yeah. or landowners, large yeah. landowners. So you're at all concerned about an uprising. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just like it got to that point. I mean, to the extent that G4S is a brand that people interact with, even they yeah. have kind of. I say even they. They have cynically (laughs) said the same things that other brands have been saying in order to make it seem as if there is a certain level of acceptance among the capitalist class, the ruling class, that a wrong has been done. They're not Mm -hmm. quite a lot of the kind of, I guess you would call it liberal advertising hegemony has kind of like absorbed this and is not resisting, right? So as soon as that happens, my like suspicious... Uh, stuff starts acting up, you know, like I don't like, like concessions that seem to be being made, the yeah. uh, rhetorical at the re- concessions at the very least. I don't like to take them at face value, especially in just such a hyper real, hyper weird territory like the US and the West generally right now. Yeah. Um, there's something always behind it. And like, yeah, you said the security officer in a disestablished police force if you don't reform the rest of the carceral state and the security infrastructure of most countries, mm-hmm. the security officer that you were talking about is going to be provided by a, a Securic or a, a G4S. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not, it's like, I mean, I know we say this about everything, but treating it in isolation isn't really enough. And I don't think that's what Black Lives Matter are doing at all. No, no, not um, at all. But I think the response is a certain way of kind of trying to funnel these protests down a particular yeah they're, like, they're trying to work out path. it's been interesting watching what are they it's what are they going to offer to try and stop the protests because they want them to stop and so what will be the sop you know like we're going to do an inquiry or we're going to do you know we're going to do this or that and it's going to you know it's always a, a little thing that just yeah. to take the momentum out. And yeah, and I'm hoping that the momentum doesn't go. Like today, I saw that they're taking down a statue to I forgot his first name, but Milligan, a slave owner, and there's a statue oh, of thingy, him. Um, Robert oh, Milligan. Robert Milligan. Yeah, standing right? doc, dockside. Yeah, in front yeah. of the one of the only museums, and I think the only one in London about that has a big thing about slavery, and there's a slaver in mm. front of it. And the and Tower Hamlets Council are taking it down tonight. The bloke yeah. who organised it thanked the police for being there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it made me worry that what they're going to do is like Sadiq Khan's announced they're going to look into some of the statues in London to try and diversify our statues. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm hoping that just taking down a couple of statues isn't going to make make like make it lose momentum because taking down a load of these statues is like the bare fucking minimum um and none of it would have happened if they hadn't done it in Bristol like it's that thing it's like one of the best things and why direct action is good so there's been debates and requests to take down that statue in Bristol for years mm. years and years i've got family in the southwest i i knew about like how some people in Bristol think feel about that statue and him in general and mm. if they hadn't just ripped it down and tossed it in the rip, tossed it in the um, in the port in the port or wherever the harbour, um, they'd, yeah. they'd you know it'd still be like debating it and negotiating with what's it called the merchant venturers, the people who um, technically own <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I, I kind of looked that up. It's one of those weird like every every old town, every big town has one of those things. Yeah, like it might be like uh, the guild of something or other, yeah. or the trustees, the trustees of something or other. Like so the bridge trust in another um, way of saying. The, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, um, it's another way of it's. It feels like a kind of twee British way of saying the veterans, like they yeah. say it in Starship Troopers. Yes. The trustees came and restored order to the chaos. But it's really nice that the debate over whether the stat- whether it's right to take down a statue or not, while it's happening, that statue is in the harbour. 
and that's why it's yes. good to just rip them down. Like yeah. there, there's like the roads must fall thing is going on again, and they're you know they're asking for it to be taken down. And like last time, it didn't get taken down because a bunch of wealthy benefactors threatened to take Oxford out of their will if they took it down. Yeah, they should just rip it down. Fuck it, like they shouldn't have done a protest. They should have just gone in the middle of the night and just ripped that fucking piece of shit down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was talk- I was talking to my partner about the the Bristol statue in particular, yeah. and um, she, you know, quite rightly said, like, yeah, it shouldn't be there, um, and yeah, they were like, it's fine to rip it down. It's a really good thing, um, and uh, she was saying, you know, oh, I, you know, I don't really understand why why it was up there anyway, and why um, it was just impossible to take down. And it's like, well, you think that resistance to slavery as as a as a as a celebrated part of history, because that's what it is. It's yeah. a, if you put something in the public square, it's a celebration. It's a part of a particular identity you want to express in public about that particular thing. And yeah. all those people who were saying, "Well, it should have been done democratically," and it's like, "Well, it could be done democratically," but then at what point do you acknowledge that entrenched power and interest are at play here, and that? putting it into that kind of arena, not democratic, but like the council arena, the, lo- the the arena of local government, isn't going to get a satisfactory outcome. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Also, you can't some... just... It's, it's kind of the thing, I, I mean, wouldn't didn't see the light of day, but like I did say last week about the democracy thing of... Democracy isn't like this shield. It, like, it too often gets used as this shield, mm. as this way of keeping everything the same by saying that you've put it out to general tender sometimes yeah. you do actually just have to have an idea and do it do you know what yeah. i mean yeah um and also why there's certain things that actually shouldn't really be debated that you know it's it's mm. it's a wrong thing having a statue to a slaver that says he was honorable and virtuous because he also yeah. gave some money to some anti-catholic fucking charities after after he'd been a slaver you know oh, wow yeah. yeah um it's like no fuck it um yeah you know there's a plenty more statues yeah. to fucking take down take that nancy Astor yeah. one down next <laughs> it's it's whenever like oh, it's never no, a democratic people, choice they, to put it up. It's never a democratic choice to put these fucking pieces of shit up. There wasn't a big yeah. fucking dis like there wasn't. I don't remember it being um, a vote for us, like a referendum on whether we should put up a a statue to a big Nazi fan. Yeah, I mean they made a big deal about the fourth plinth in Trafalgar Square, mm. like people voting on that as if it was again as if it was some sort of present. Yeah. Look, look, you get to, to vote for this thing, yeah. this, this uh, particular piece of built environment. In the meantime, every single building around there, when it's re- whenever it's renovated, takes another six inches of pavement <laughs> yeah. out from under it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, you're allowed to vote on the unimportant things and, and you're not allowed any say at all, any kind of power over the you know maybe more important things. And that is kind of the way I feel about the way it's gone in the past couple of days with the statue debates. Mm. Um, I feel like it's that it's always a danger with these kind of movements, these very broad movements that you start a very useful way of defanging them is to turn the political demands into cultural demands. Yeah. Um, it's why like it all, it all starts twigging whenever like you hear those concessions happening, because although it's not, I'm not saying it's some big conspiracy with a, a perfectly rationally worked out plan, but the ruling class work in concert because they have similar objectives and they, even if they don't appear like they're uh, collaborating, they are cohering around a particular idea, which is to get people off the streets and to um, stop them, them protesting do you know what i mean yeah and whenever that happens it always twigs of like what what is it that's happening in the superstructure yeah that is concealing what is happening in the base and yeah there's this whole like it's i think it's like a unified theory of why the the brands are going on and why the statue process is going on is that yeah there are probably fractions of capital who would like to reform police departments to be less brutal and i'm not just talking about the ones who stand to benefit from like outsourcing contracts you know yeah. security companies g4s yeah. people like that um there's a significant amount of capital um across the world that is reliant on advertising and more importantly reliant on the kind of emotive webs of meaning that their products and services conjure do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all of these, like the like, capitalist relations are still subject to alienation with them. But 
it's worked really, really well to make you think brands are woke because it makes you more positively disposed towards that product. Yeah. Um, it's manipulative. It's manipulative, liberating in its own context, I guess. But it still keeps that capitalist relation in like solid. It keeps mm. it keeps it in place. And these like these forms. Excuse me. These shards of capitals, I think, are much more aware of the way that people feel affects their their kind of political behavior yeah. you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and so yeah they're all they're all coming out to 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 get it like you got fucking like um yeah like um the call of duty infinity ward people yeah. putting out a black, putting a black lives matter thing in their no. in their war game which is no. frankly their their single yeah their single player can stuff you put like been, a can you have like a black lives matter logo on a riot shield it will it will happen i 100% it will happen or there's like a little like graffiti spray you can get in the game that oh. won't be a black lives matter there they put a little flash screen up before you you log into it this game that is almost entirely about SAS and US forces <laughs> um, going to war with Middle Eastern and African um, terrorists. Yeah. I mean, they never say that, but they don't need to because no. all of the framing was done by everything outside it. It's, it's so fucking, it's so fucking weird and in opposition to each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it just strikes me that like, I, uh, Again, I'm always I'm always suspicious of, of yeah whenever anyone makes too many concessions and like them trying to turn this political objective into a cultural one suggests that the polit political objectives are way more persuasive and are also on the ground in a position to do way more than they were in 2014. Yeah, there was um I think one of the reasons because um, unemployment's gone up so much everyone's. Everyone is free to protest. You wonder why you get those kind of numbers. I mean, mm -hmm. there was a, a thing in the, I think, New York Times. It's like less than half of black adults in the US have a job. Jesus. At this point, that's less, less than half of the entire population have a job. So that's a very, very good material circumstance to provoke widespread protest mm. because you're pissed off, but also because you ain't got nowhere else to be and you've got less to lose. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't help but be really suspicious um, that the reason why everyone's being so accommodating is that maybe subconsciously, maybe subconsciously, they realise there is a genuine threat there. Like, there is a genuine risk of an uprising. Mm. You know? Yeah. They do seem genuinely afraid this time. Yeah, but in that, in that kind of... There's a mollifying uh, thing to it of, like, there's also seems to be a load of like psyops going around. Like a couple of weeks ago, they well a week ago or so, they did the um, blackout for Black Lives Matter, yeah, which I thought was extraordinarily stupid. Yeah, you know, I, I get people did it because the they were pages. yeah. It's like I went on like my normie social med feeds, mm -hmm. you know, full of actual normal people with lives and brains, <laughs> and not my yeah. not my broken sick brain. Um, <laughs> And all of it, every single person had, like, the blackout thing. Mm. And it's like an entire wall of um, thing, a content associated with Black Lives Matter that's just blacked out and not, you know, pictures of protests, pictures yeah. of police brutality. Yeah. And it's like, I, I refuse to believe that there's not something where some kind of, a, a small group of agents, um, <laughs> as in, like, actors' agents, yeah. <laughs> um, came up with the idea and celebrities went along with it and that's yeah. where it started because that's how you that's how you wield power in social media you get the celebrities to do it and and then everyone follows yeah and the other um, thing was that there was that american who was a model who was seen like walking arm in arm with a policeman and said like we love the police and then there was um the they the, a group of people said that there were new black panthers and it was like well, it's like the yes, new black panthers are already bad and then it was like, oh, no, they're not new Black Panthers, actually. They're a bunch of models and actors? Yeah, there's a number of different, like, new Black Panther-type parties mm -hmm. um, that occasionally spring up, um, like, appear in, in a protest and things like that, apparently. Um, yeah, this this group that was kind of commandeering leadership roles yeah. in, in the protests... Um, and it turned out quite a lot of them were, were models and actors. actors. They're all models and actors. 
you know and again it's it's I, I don't think it's being conspiratorial because also we're looking at what people are doing and what people are and their relationship to like what like you're looking at actual substantive facts rather yeah. than kind of like say like the crisis actor thing with um like right wing people yeah where it's yeah. like oh no they're not really who they are no but this like you um, could see like it was like no a, evidence, a week ago on Instagram there's literally there. them just you know being normal actors yeah. Yeah, very weird. I um, it's very very strange. It's been, it's a thing I noticed. Like Nick Ferrari's on got on people paying attention to him again because Nick Ferrari. It's amazing how much Nick Ferrari manages to go under the radar for like one of the most successful talk radio hosts. He like manages to you know he, he you know like um Kate Hopkins, she can't dance the line, and she ends up being yes. too racist. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Whereas Nick Ferrari is usually pretty good at sort of skirting along that edge um yes, but that yeah. clip of him saying that after her should you know why do you live here then which you know yeah, yeah after Hirsch was set was um yeah talking about um black lives matter and um anti-black racism yeah and he was like if you yeah, hate yeah, it here so why much do you, why, do you, why don't you, leave? you hate it here so much why don't you leave and it's like but that's an interesting thing because those people have very much this is this feels a little bit more like brexit the same kind of like culture war pattern that mm-hmm. Brexit took because yeah, it's not got those same quite those same sides, but the people who are actively um using racist tropes to defend why a say a statue of a slaver shouldn't be in the in the bay. And then you've got a kind of a larger group in the middle who are saying, Well, of course, Nick Ferrari his comments were unfortunate. You know, his 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 comments were completely unacceptable. But <laughs> yeah, you know, like like with the um, oh, you know, Brexiteers are all racists. Yeah. Um, what we want is managed immigration. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 that kind of thing again of a certain level of co-optation mm. by like the liberal middle class. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. There's um, the thing you know, I was say it's like um, Nick Ferrari obviously was livid. At the protests, utterly like he was, he was like he wasn't as angry as Tommy Robinson, um, who turned yeah. fully, who looked like a slab of Billy Bear Ham, um, nice. he was like ranting in his living I mean, room. No, not nice. Billy Bear Ham was always horrible, terrible. <laughs> well, yeah, like Tommy terrible Robinson. stuff. Um, yeah, but he was like furious and ranting and raving, and like he was complaining about um them attacking police horses and stuff like that. And it's like <laughs> I've seen like there's some vegans I know who there's like most vegans I know are as left as me. Um, there are very yeah. few who aren't, um, yeah. and some of them. But when they're saying, not, oh boy! <laughs> yeah, there were some of them that were like, "This is unacceptable to like attack a police horse," and it's that thing of like, look, as a like as a vegan, how do you not look at the police? Like, it's okay to defend yourself from a police horse and a police dog. They, the, the people, horse was the, put in that situation. Yeah, the people who are the villains here. The people who are the villains Nothing here are the ones using them as tools. When they should yes. not be. It's weird that in yeah. this day and age we still use horses for fuck's sake. Um, I I mean they sh- they are shock like they're shock things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're terrifying. Horses horse is big, terrifying. Big, horses are yeah, terrifying. There's big, like my um my in laws um they have like I think they've got a mule and a horse now, um and yeah. they are very nice. Like they are, you know, you they, they look after horses that um have been in riding schools their whole lives, and so right, they're like yeah. very docile horses, and even them I find intimidating because they're fucking huge. Now, there's yeah. a big difference between one of them and essentially a battle-trained police horse, which they, you know, yeah. they have all the padding and they have the special things over their feet. Over their feet. Um, the yeah. people that are the villains here are the police for fucking using them. And it's amazing, like, <clears throat> you see it when, um, whenever there's a, um, like an anti-capitalist protest and there's, like, some violence on the outskirts or there's, like, um, a... Uh, an environmental protest and there's some law breaking um then straight away you have people like nick ferrari saying well it just destroys their message and you know so therefore i will not listen to them anymore with this one it feels even more fucking stark where nick ferrari spent monday morning pretty much going well like you know just it doesn't matter now because you know there was violence so why would i listen yeah it's like motherfucker like he's like it's like that's it now there's no point in talking about it which is one of the things that's actually quite nice is he seems like an outlier now 
Like even yeah, like but, Boris Johnson yeah. being a piece of shit that he is. I think the the it's it's weird. Like the way he's talked about it is better than I thought he would. If that makes sense, like he's like there's more concessions than there were for the London riots. I th- yeah, I think there's like a few. I mean, that's because it's literally not riots. Yeah, it's because yeah, it's, it's not. But you know what I mean, though. Um, and you know the, that the London riots were a protest. They're a particular kind of protest. But it's the yeah, it's when it doesn't touch the things that they demand. And the thing with this kind of like slow, much slow, more slow boiling protest that's not also not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think like that's the thing. They're everyone, afraid that it's not going to go away, which is why they're acting different. Yeah, I mean, they've. It's essentially because you've put because repeated pressure through kind of um, like ideological means, like uh, uh, rhetorical means, mm-hmm. has put everyone into this corner whereby it is a standard thing that you have to denounce racism. Yeah, um, you. It's not good enough to use those tropes. Well, I say that um, it's not good enough to use those tropes. In particular circumstances, yeah. it's okay to use them, you know, if you're talking about um, a left-wing movement, mm-hmm. but it's it's never okay to to use that. And so it paints them into a, a, a corner. Like I say, like there's no, there's a good portion of capital to whom um, expending effort on segregating races and 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 like racism generally is a distraction it's a distraction from their particular goal which is profit through like a particular the promotion of a particular like sphere sphere of culture and sphere of um emotion around their their services and and them themselves yeah do you know it's like Um, um netflix and brit box that i play are taking down all of like little britain and what's it what's the other one come fly away Fly away. Oh it? yeah, come fly with me. Well, so, yeah, well, you know the the, um, yeah. the Matt Lucas, David Williams, blackface shows. Huh. No, I didn't. They, they took didn't. they both they they took both of those shows down. Interesting. But that that's like, and that's huh. that. I, that's like you know because that the the perpetuating racism doesn't. It, yeah, it's like what you said. It doesn't help them make money anymore. Yeah. Anymore being yeah. the operative term there. Which they even you know, said. It's just they even said they said like we're in a different time now, and it's like those programs aren't that old. They were bad. There then. was a weird. There, yeah, there was a weird um, article that kind of like actually made me think think a bit more about the kind of the effort, the extent to which like big money and corporations are are kind of treating this, which was mm-hmm. like. Um, uh, the, the, I can't actually remember what the actual headline was, but it was essentially saying brands uh, might seem, you know, hypocritical or shallow for um, just jumping on the um, Black Lives Matter bandwagon, mm-hmm. or are they showing leadership? Hmm. <laughs> and there's a weird kind of. I feel like the the a lot of the focus. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of a, a lot of capitalists would be happy if the focus were purely on state abuse mm. rather than um, generalised kind of microaggressions and, and, and racism in, in yeah. everyday society. Like fucking uh, L'Oreal yeah. did a Black Lives Matter um, thing of saying, we stand with protesters and we stand yeah. with anti-racism. It's like you fired Monroe Bergdorf they've, a few years ago saw, for talking she's, she's about doing, white privilege. Yeah, they've donated money because of her now. That's another thing yeah. I saw this evening. Which, of course, and also that was used against Monroe Bergdorf when she was made um, the LGBT exactly. uh, spokeswoman yep. for um, for Labour. Hmm. And there's, it's a weird thing because I feel like I feel like a lot of the time we do talk a lot about the government. I mean, you can't talk about the biggest like political issues, so COVID and Brexit. Mm. That's generally considered to be a state, like a, a state thing, yeah. right? It's a state. Yeah. Like a state you can talk about liberal ventures. liberals and conservatives, but it's all encapsulated within the state. It's all about state action. You don't really get a lot about kind of corporations, or they're they're seen as kind of bystanders yeah they have no and it does feel like considering the biggest protests in like the two the early 2000s it was anti-globalization protests and anti-corporate protests Mm. and it does feel like there's been a real ramp down of protest targeting specifically corporations 
Yeah, the only Certainly ones I can think like of now are like the popular uh, imagination. The only the ones I can think that target corporations, like big ones now, are like um, environmental ones, like targeting like shell buildings. And yeah, stuff I mean like that. targeting BP and BP and Shell. Yeah, mm. I mean obviously you know corporations are being protested against all the time. Yeah, um, but although those kind of protests are going on all the time, I think like the popular. There is a certain like popular image of um, protest that has been where it identifies a target of the protest is more commonly one that easily slots into a particular kind of neoliberal anti-statist um, mold. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's and again, this is not excusing like the police at all. No, I'm not like no, God, no. going, going for, for Big Daddy's state or anything. But I feel like this can't it can't be a coincidence that a number of very, very powerful um, actors, as in, you know, like economic actors, yeah. are suddenly very happy to disestablish a wing of the state mm. with no not necessarily that it will provide an advantage to them, but they, they don't see any disadvantage to it. Mm. So. I feel like it's interesting, you know, protesting against corporations, even talking corporations. When Corbyn was in and they tried to do the hippie stereotype, yeah. um, it was very common as like to, to kind of put words in his mouth and say things like, well, it's all the fault of the corporations. Yeah. That kind of protest angled against that element of society has been reduced, kind of reduced to a punchline. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's not a serious site of political action. Yeah. Um, even within Brexit, you weren't talking about corporations supporting or or um uh supporting or like going against the idea of brexit they were reported almost as neutral arbiters yeah it's like well the the you know the uh chamber of commerce says that we will lose so much if it, we will lose yeah we will lose so much if we if we do brexit and trying to wrap it around to this thing it it, it does seem strange and It does seem strange this time that the demands of protesters, particularly against the state, have passed so easily through hegemony and so easily through the usual walls that are put up against this thing that it almost seems like the police are isolated enough to actually achieve something against them, to actually seriously consider, at the very least, cutting funding and reining back their capabilities massively, even if what comes after is a more corporate way of, of doing things, you know? Yeah, yeah. If you look at what's like what, what generally happens when uh, something, like any kind of service, mm -hmm. comes under attack in, in the neoliberal era. So it comes under the attack because it's inefficient, because it costs too much, um, because it uh, people have a long history of anecdotal abuses against it. Mm. And yes, I'm talking about the post office. <laughs> like, nobody, not many, not as many people stood up in, in, in service of the post office or going back um, British Leyland mm. because everybody had an anecdote about how shit it was. Yeah. It cost a lot of money. And within, uh, from a capitalist's point of view, it was incredibly inefficient. It spent a shitload of money for very little success. Yeah. And so if you then apply that to the police and then uh, go back and apply what they did to yeah, uh, institutions like the post office and, and British Leyland when it was nationalized, if you apply what happens there, the base would demand that you make it cheaper through cutting wages, you give people a lot less training, and you essentially use them as treat them as, as disposal in order to achieve a, a better rate of profit or a better rate of you know efficiency of service. And that defunding the police i can i could kind of see it going that way without something to break the pattern that neoliberalism offers you yeah you are just going to follow that same thing it's like when people said we want more time with our kids they gave you zero hour contracts yeah. they didn't make it so that you could afford to have kids and to raise them properly yeah when yeah. You, when people said they wanted more choice in their schools they basically scattered all of the comprehensive system to the winds and gave everybody individual schools depending on you know your area and how much what area you lived in and how much you know uh how rich it was yeah so yeah it feels it feels really weird to be talking 
like negatively about defunding the police because I think it's a fucking great thing and it's definitely necessary um, considering that they're pretty much isolated paramilitary forces by the, this point. Yeah. But the fact that you can see them almost being isolated as a thing of themselves, not enmeshed with political institutions like councils or governments, um, not really with any support from the local populace, but mainly their support comes from the idea of police from... Their main support comes from a general idea from a, a kind of conservative reactionary bourgeois Z that sees the idea of police as more important than anything they could actually do or achieve. As they slowly get more isolated, it's like governments also almost like washing their hands of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like that. One sign that the um, protests are over is 100% when the first few... Um, centre-right columnists start talking about the um, COVID spike being blamed on Black Lives Matter protests. Um, yeah, they will 100% do that. It's 100% coming. And that's when you know that the kind of threat from it has receded. Yeah. The more that people um, start talking about that. Because, I mean, that's that's all our contact with politics is. It's the same web of emotions that brands use to sell you their product is it's the same kind of web of weird serotonin spikes in emotions that you get from social media. Yeah. You know, that's that cavalcade of images and videos is, is our political action at the moment. And yeah, that's, um, that's not necessarily good news considering the most effective perpetrators of those and manipulators of those emotional spikes are our brands and yeah. our corporations. Yeah. You know, yeah. Did you see um Keir Starmer? Oh god. Keir Starmer's um response to the protest was I so listened to it. Forensic. I I I was you know, it was tune in radio. Um I say that as if my radio isn't always on all the time, constantly bombarding me with <laughs> yeah. horribleness. Um but So he yeah. said this on the LBC phone in show, right? Yeah, because he has a weekly phone in now on LBC because he's a smart man and he's going the same way as Nick Clegg. <laughs> Um, and I think it's a, I think it's, a, I think it's a, a, a good idea. Like, frankly, because basically, how else is he ever going to get any coverage? <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one can listen to him. No, it, he is really fucking dull. But um, yeah, he did the most reasonable, sensible, 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 sensible forensic response of. Um, the the these strikes are wrong while negotiations going on. Oh no no no, he said um. That it was right to take it was right the statue shouldn't be there, but it was wrong to take it down this way. Um which is a perfect decision, well, a perfect um like way of responding to it in a way designed specifically to appeal to virtually nobody. It appeals to approximately nine percent of people who got really, really, really mad about the Labour Party between twenty fifteen and twenty nineteen. Yep. yep. Oh, it did, did occur to it did occur to me the fact that um, everyone uses uh, the word forensic to describe him, and it's like, you know, forensic is like examining still objects. <laughs> like it's not like he's like if you were say an artist, yeah, that would be a way of examining something still or moving and rendering it into a form that you can communicate to other people. A forensic person, whether they're examining say like a dead body or like a. a, a, a bloodstain or something like that the thing is inert the thing has already happened there's nothing you are going to report that is going to change what has happened so i feel like there's a kind of a freudian slip there <laughs> talking about starmer in that he's consistently describing something that has already been and gone yeah and done and nothing's going to change it yeah well it's, um the thing that's really like aggravating about it is okay you're not going to expect the leader of a political party to endorse lawlessness um or as peter no, mandelson or as peter mandelson said the law no. of the jungle did oh, you see that boy. yeah he's got a masterful way with words hasn't he he was always the king of spin mandelson he always yeah. had just the right words yeah just phrased just right to not particularly be a dog whistle or a trope <laughs> but um, you know yeah that maybe responding to a uh, black lives matter protest bring it down a statue maybe using law of the jungle wasn't necessarily advisable nope um <sighs> but yeah there was a way of Keir Starmer responding to it that wasn't scolding people who tore down a statue that they despised mm. 
And that that was like, it's like, why are you scolding these people? Why are you telling them off? Why are you acting like a like like a teacher? People don't. Like, I'm not going to vote for a teacher. I mean, it, I'm just trying to think of the way that he responds to other things. So, like, I mean, it wasn't him personally, but I think it was who was it? Was it Liam Byrne who talked about um, welfare? not being for people who don't work this week. Oh, I can't remember who that was. It was last week. It was last week. And it was, it was a weird thing because it was, um, it was in theory, it was Labour Party being not actually too bad on their welfare stuff. But it was the choice the of language is such a fucking... Yeah. It's such a, I mean, I know they're not responsible for the headline, but it's that same old thing of... But you use those words. He knows what those words yeah, mean. Yeah. Yeah. There was the thing about, you and know, like, that you yeah. should get out what you've paid in. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just it's just all of that of like, who who does that help? Like, there are a thousand ways of putting things that you can say. So, like, you can imagine Corbyn like wouldn't. I, I guarantee, if Corbyn had been there, he would have said something about you can understand why feelings are running high. Yeah, like that's it. That's all you need to say. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explicitly say anything. One of the successes of New Labour was when they had something bad to say, they didn't explicitly say it, despite mm. appearing like they were paragons of positive morality or mm. whatever it was. You know. Also, and, there's and, um, and the thing with that was prized among them. The thing with Starmer and his response to it is, he there's I'm not I've been told by everybody who loves him how smart and talented and well informed he is, um, and he normally does have all the numbers. Um, which is, you know, that's how we define smartness now. Um, he knew that there have been numerous attempts to get rid of uh, that statue and that even adding, even the, the really small thing of just adding an extra plaque on it that says he wasn't just honourable and virtuous, he was also a slaver, by the way. Um, yeah. That that was stopped and fought against at every turn, including by like a Conservative councillor, like within the last couple of months, I think. Um he knew all that so he could have said like you know i can understand do you know what i mean like he's pretending like this came out of nowhere because he was like oh they should have gone about it democratically and it's like well they tried like not speaking as like um like speaking let's say i don't know what the word is speaking neutrally Mm -hmm. right if the idea was that starmer is going to be um the jacinda arden or the justin trudeau Mm -hmm. of the uk which is what that language is, I guess, designed to appeal to a certain level of uh, the progressive middle class who they apparently lost in droves, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, during the last election. And the, the remain vote that they want to get back for some which for some reason is their seems to be their their M.O. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we know it's all waiting for the the big blue Labour turn, the patriotic turn, the mm-hmm. punish the punish the evildoer um, yeah. rhetoric that's going to come back to try and win back the Red Wall. But for now, so far, he seems to be the epitome of middle class sobriety. Mm-hmm. And I don't get how he also he he can do that, but also can't see that middle class sobriety is doing the same thing that all of those brands are doing, and just expressing support for it. Mm. Just saying, yeah, no, we can understand why. Like, he doesn't have to. I understand. He's a fucking. He's a leader in the British state. There are certain things that he is not allowed to do. Um, that, frankly, even Corbyn wasn't allowed to do as leader mm. of the opposition. There yeah. are things that he would fudge because there are certain expectations upon you as a part of the British state to, yeah. to speak cruelly about it. There are expectations put on you. Like, you know, that whole thing about, like, son, uh, Bernie Sanders not um, finding the death of John McCain funny. Yeah. Like, I found it incredibly funny. That man yeah. was a war criminal. Yep. But I don't expect fucking Sanders to do it. And having a go at him for that, who fucking cares? Mm. It's a stupid cultural thing that he has to appeal by. He has to appear to abide by, right? Yeah. Not mocking people's deaths. Starmer is the same. And this isn't even a death, but this this kind of, who are you, who, like, what democratic process? Why aren't you addressing the kind of, what democratic process went on? Yeah. You know, yeah. what debate went on? What were the what were the features of that debate? How do you not manage to acknowledge the experience of people coming up against a council that has other interests? Yeah. You know, what if this was something important, like like more important, like housing? Yeah. You know, what if this was something like more materially significant, like housing? Like what? How are you supposed to deal with that? I constantly see 
like there was another article in um, the Guardian today, um, Zoe Williams, mm-hmm. um, talking about it. Like I had to read it about four times to work out what the fuck she was saying. But essentially, it was ah well, Starmer's all very well and good being forensic, but he needs big picture thinking, and mm. it's like that's just what you were criticising with with Labour in the last election. Yeah, you know, not you know, I'm not not judging it because there probably was a problem with how big the thinking was in a just a functional electoral sense but like in whatever case yeah the whole argument of the labor right and for starmer is that he can appear sober because he doesn't have utopian visions or yeah. big ideas that was part of meant to be part of the appeal and now you're like i've seen a couple of articles like they've started to turn on that notion because they've suddenly run headlong into coronavirus and the coming recession mm-hmm. and realised actually they do need some quite big ideas. Actually, they do need some quite uh, transformative <laughs> politics. Yeah. But it's all run out because he, he hasn't got any of it. He hasn't got, he hasn't even got the kind of, um, he hasn't even got like the um, ideas that Macron had as mm. monstrous as it is. He hasn't, he doesn't appear like he has the willpower to throw that, to throw those out there and to see those through. Yeah. So like, what is he for? What what are you, what are you going for? What electoral coalition are you going for? What what thing are you trying to to, to do with this? Yeah. And it's just that you can't. He can't even fight fucking culture war. He can't even fight culture war as good as the guy who wore the fucking socks. Trudeau. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. can't even do that. He just an awful, awful politician. Like bad <laughs> at being a politician so far. Yeah. Maybe something will change, but I. Literally, do not care. <laughs> yeah, the um, as the last thing, I was thinking like the one of the things that's like one of the, it's always nice to see mass protests. Um, it's nice to see police on back on the back foot. It's nice to see any yeah. kind of victory for people. Mm-hmm. It always makes you know it's good for the soul. Um, one of the things that I have enjoyed and think is actually really good, and the thing that we don't get much of at all is that we've been there's been discussions about public space again and not in a like normally the debate about public space is how much public space are you going to lose to high rises um mm-hmm. or how many trees you're going to lose to extend the shopping mall and things like that it's mm-hmm. down to like actually important things that affect your day to day like it was unacceptable for Colston's statue to be there because black people had to walk past it every day and it made them feel bad that's why it's a good yeah, thing it's gone. Yeah. It's nice that that kind of discussion is being added. It'll be nice to see if it goes further. Um, you know, yeah. ideally, ideally I mean, every single slaver statue should be gone within the week. Like, yeah. on this kind of positive swing and momentum. I mean, hell, it's... Who do we put up statues of? We put up statues of people who paid a lot of money mm. for... Um, civic spaces mm. and you know if that's the it, it like that's how always how our, our public space has been has been used do you know what i mean yeah and like yeah i get I, like i get the point about um uh it, be, it being an important symbol i just i guess i want those statues gone but at the same time i i wouldn't want the i wouldn't want the concrete like material actions of and, and political demands of Black Lives Matter to be turned into just cultural objectives yeah. of how do how do you how do you how is your conscience doing yeah. how is your individual conscience doing about your levels of racism your level of, your levels of race awareness and I think this I think it might have creeped up on us because like I say there's been a, a big spike in unemployment which means more people are out on the streets. Also, I find it interesting that, of course, this has happened when the shops aren't open and public space is largely unoccupied by people who would otherwise be occupying it. Yeah. I wonder how much... So you talk about like the extension of the shopping centre. I wonder how much power shopping centres can exert like uh, the covert political pressure they can put on councils or, or police forces or whatever they would usually do to clear mm. protesters out of the way to allow them to be a going concern that going concern that they don't have now because mm. they're shut. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of shopping shopping mall develop, developers that are close to bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, 
as if they weren't before. I mean, there's, there's, they're always going in and out of business, despite the fact that the ludicrous profits they make off of those um, those building projects and the amount of space and, and money that uh, local communities use. Hey, that word again, local communities use to to prop them up. But I wonder if this is a, if this is a unique time. If this is a unique time when people are able to exert this kind of pressure as a group, mm. as a, as a collective then they should pursue it to its to its utmost you should s- keep your eyes on those on those political objectives and please don't manufacture another fucking culture war i can't mm. fucking take it yeah. i can't have this good discussion about Richard <laughs> kipling again i can't have this discussion about cecil rhodes again See? i just can't and if you fucking even mention churchill <laughs> See what we want. i will do to you what churchill did to coventry <laughs> what we want is we don't want them to change the name of your old house at the Vascal and get rid of Gordon. <laughs> we want them to burn it down. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a it's a reckoning. Like I'm not, obviously, culture war has to happen. It has to be fought anyway because it always goes along with with anything. I'm not saying it's some kind of um, distraction. I'm not like one of those uh, those red brown guys. Hmm. Um, who says that has no place, but it's just, you know, you don't want all the effort and all the attention to be focused on, um, I guess, idealistic concerns over, ideological concerns over, um, like, material victories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if this actually does manage to get a foothold and you can have some long-lasting change to the kind of, the punishment matrix that is this country... Yeah. Um, it can only be it can only be good at this country and the US. You know, yeah. not a US citizen, so I can't really really speak too heavily about that. But yeah, you know, it would be amazing. Yeah, uh, that's us for this week. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Turner Smashing, and we will see you next week. Oi. Oi. Fighting am the least about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my